The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is your host, Dave Schultz, for this particular program. We have a guest on the air with us this evening who's never been with us before, but it's with the emphasis upon what we do this month, the area of of reconciliation, the area of forgiveness, the area of true freedom that the Word of God gives us. So with that being said, I welcome to our voice this evening, our guest voice, um, Ted Cover. Welcome, Ted. Thank you. It's good to be with you. We're going to work our way into some of the thoughts that uh, you've sent to me that I can use uh, in questions to you. But first of all, what in the world is a senior ambassador for reconciliation? What is that all about? What it means is that uh, I am a a speaker, an author, uh, a trainer, uh, teaching people about personal reconciliation and how to assist others. But I also am a practitioner, meaning that I help people with conflicts to not only resolve their conflicts, but to restore their relationships through confession and forgiveness. We do that by coaching people, by mediating, and by working with large groups that are in conflict. And that's what we do as a ministry. A lot of a lot of districts in our particular church body have little groups, uh, reconciling groups. And I know that here in Texas, uh, we have a group of reconcilers who are very ready and willing, having been trained, as I understand it, to go into congregations or situations that the pastor finds very difficult to resolve. That's where you come in, is it not? Well, it's one of the ways, yes. We've been uh, leading the training for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in that area since 1997. And so the training is in all the districts now? Well, uh, every district has four reconcilers that are appointed, two lay people and two pastors. And uh, uh, so we have been doing the training of all of them and all the district presidents. Uh, training usually occurs every three years right after a convention. One of the things that uh, we get excited about, and that is that the whole act of justification is really summarized in this simple phrase of forgiveness and how wonderfully forgiveness works. Um, it's the Holy Spirit's tool to bring people and groups that are separated from each other back. Um, you've emphasized uh, the Apostle Paul's writing in Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. What kind of freedom is Paul talking about here? That's a great question. He's talking about the freedom from the bondage of the law that comes through the forgiveness of Christ. And it is our forgiveness from God through Jesus that brings us freedom. 
And so what kinds of freedom does forgiveness bring? Well, I'd like to talk about six different areas that we find freedom in forgiveness. Uh, the first one is freedom from God's condemnation. Uh, by nature, we are uh, uh, enemies of God. Uh, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And so our sin separates us from God. But forgiveness restores that relationship. Uh, Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that relationship was restored. It was reconciled as God sent Jesus to die for our sins. That was the freedom that um, we all desperately need to recognize that is ours. God's freedom through forgiveness from condemnation. How about self-condemnation? Sometimes we feel bad about ourselves and we put ourselves down unnecessarily, but how do we deal with that? That's a, a great question. And how it often comes to us is in these words, I know that Jesus died for me, but I can't forgive myself. Let me share a story with you about a young man I met when I was working in Latin America. I'll call him Diego. That was not his real name. But Diego was a seminary student, and he was failing in his studies. He had been a really good student before, and a professor asked if I would meet with him. And so as I met with him, I found out that uh, Diego had become very depressed. He could barely get out of bed in the morning. He wasn't completing his coursework. And uh, I, I asked him what he was so depressed about. And he says, Ted, I just can't forgive myself. And I said, well, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And he says, see, peril, that means yes, but I cannot forgive myself. So we talked about that. And what had happened was, uh, as a boy, he was introduced to sexual activity and became very active in all different kinds of sexual activity, even before adolescence. But as a later teenager, he learned that Jesus had died for all those sins, and he was now forgiven. And he was so grateful for that, that he wanted to go to the seminary and become a pastor. But once he began his seminary studies, he realized how awful his sins were, according to God's word. And that's where this guilt was coming on, and he was pouring it onto himself. And as we talked, uh, I, I began to help him understand that what he was doing was making his own forgiveness more important than Christ's forgiveness. Exactly. And once he realized that, that he was actually making himself above God, he confessed that and was freed from that. And I was able to remind him of how forgiven he is in Christ. And the one verse that really made it special for him came from Romans 8, verse 1. And I had him read that to me, right. but inserting his name in the verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for Diego, who is in Christ Jesus. And when he read it that way, the man just cried and wept. As a result of our meeting that evening, uh, he, his depression left him. His guilt was gone. His professors allowed him to make up his work, and, and today he's a very good pastor uh, who understands that Christ's forgiveness is more important than me forgiving myself. 
Where in the world did this forgiving myself come from? It's been an irritant for me over the course of time when people bring this up and I say, just wait a second. Tell me, where in the Bible do you find it necessary to forgive yourself? Does that mean for you that Christ's forgiveness is not enough? What this really means is that, that as, as Jeremiah says, not only have I forgiven you, I don't remember your past anymore. We just continue to give stuff time that God has forgiven. So is that where it comes from? Well, it comes from three places, I believe, and that is uh, our own sinful flesh, the devil, and the world around us. They're constantly there to remind us that we do not deserve forgiveness. And um, the devil in particular wants us to think that way. And one way to do that is say, acknowledge that Christ died for my sins, but then say, I can't forgive myself. But when we do that, we are putting ourselves in the place of God, making our own forgiveness trump Christ's forgiveness. So we're just turning things upside down. And once people begin to focus on that and what Christ has really done for them, that's where the freedom comes. I don't have to forgive myself. Christ has done it all for me already. That's a wonderful explanation. I'm going to have to put that in my back pocket because I hear it so often, even in the discussion uh, that we have here with with uh, people on the air. Um, the forgiveness of myself has become such a such a canker, you know, in the life of of the Christian, and it it's become an irritant for me even when people say it. So I have to learn to become more patient. Maybe I need to be reconciled again back to what the true freedom that we have is. The next freedom that we have is the freedom from sin. You want to talk about that? Yeah. One of the things that that Christ's forgiveness does from us is it frees us from being a slave to our own sin. And, uh, Peter writes about it this way in 1 Peter 2.24. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, on my own, I have no power to change my life. I have no power to resist temptation. But I don't need to do it on my own. In Christ, as Paul says, I can do all things. And that means that I can fight this temptation. What gives us the power to do that? Christ's death and resurrection and the forgiveness of sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. One of the things that has always bothered me and probably it bothers you as well when we were young men and faced with some of the temptations, we said, boy, it'll sure be nice when I get old because I won't have those temptations anymore. Well, welcome to the crowd. Uh, <laughs> they still surround us, and we still need the forgiveness. We still need to be reconciled back to the promises of God's Word. Um, I'm in my 80s, and I have to say thank you, Lord, for reminding me that this body does not carry perfection, and it never will until we come close to close with Jesus. You see, one of the things I have a hard time grasping is I know these things. I ought to know better. I ought not continue to sin again. That doesn't amaze me. What amazes me is God still loves me. 
He knows everything about me. He knows of the sins that I don't even begin to understand or fathom. And nonetheless, he still loves me for Jesus' sake. And so the older I get and the more I struggle with my own fight in that regard, the more awe and wonder I have for a God that he continues to forgive me and love me anyway. I heard a statement not too long ago that I really cherish. Uh, it was from a very, very good friend. And he said, isn't it wonderful that God lets our mind alone? He looks at the heart. Uh, we look at the mind and the Holy Spirit helps us through his word to change the thoughts and the motives of the mind to move forward in grace. And so thank you for continued grace. Let me just pause for just a moment and tell the listening audience uh, who this is. Evangelical Life Ministries is the mother of our program, Engaging Truth. It has been for 12 years. Um, we do this every Sunday night, record our broadcast for podcasts, and this broadcast is streamed everywhere in the country. And wherever people have a, a computer and want to get into the website, elmhouston.org, or into the website of the radio station, kkht.com, they can hear this program everywhere. I don't know how interested you are, but let me just ask you, would you remember to pray for us? There is no paid staff that we have. Everything that we do goes right into broadcasting. But if you'd like to support us with prayer, would you also consider supporting us with your dollars? You can do that by giving a donation. We'll say where and how to ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Or simply click onto the, the website and the donate button and you can do the same there. Thank you. Thank you. And now back to our wonderful guest. We're talking about the freedoms that we have. How about the freedom from anxiety and fear? This is um, uh, a special privilege that we have as children of God, that as we trust in him, we need not be anxious about what's going on around us. And has this ever been evident to us in this whole recent pandemic as we've realized that things that we thought were secure, that we thought we could depend upon, were stripped away from us. And uh, we realize that um, our hope, our strength uh, is not in the world around us, the things that we think uh, might be secure, but are in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we need not join in with the fear of all of the people around us, knowing that God not only created us, he provides for us, he has redeemed us, and he sanctifies us. And he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He doesn't promise that life will be easy, but he does promise that his love is everlasting and nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Therefore, we can lay down our anxieties and fears at the foot of the cross. We have also the opportunity to address our Heavenly Father in prayer. 
we have that freedom to pray. Would you talk about that as well, Ted? You know, when I was working in India, I got a new appreciation for prayer. The Christians in India take prayer very seriously. And the reason is, is they live in a culture where there's, uh, the, the Hindu religion is, is, uh, predominant. And they have some three million gods, but those gods never forget. And you're never good enough to pray directly to God. You have to go through all these intermediaries. But Christ invites us to pray directly to our Heavenly Father through His name. And one of the things that the Indian Christians taught me is how precious that is. I think in America we take it so for granted that when I pray, I can pray directly to God. I don't have to go through all these other channels. I don't have to try to atone for my sin. I don't have to, to, to do all these things to make myself worthy. Christ has already done it. And so I have the freedom to pray to the very creator because Jesus has opened that door. That's a huge freedom and, and privilege. That freedom to pray is something that um, we in America kind of take for granted. I think you've mentioned that. I got a missionary friend who does a lot of work in uh, Nigeria, and he said, "What's what was interesting to me was there are no hospitals, there are no doctors. Oh, they got witch doctors, but no real doctors. Prayer is a real, a real blessed event." When people get together because they believe that God answers prayer, and so prayer is a vital tool, whereas we sometimes think, well, let's throw some of these little thoughts of ours to the um, the cosmos, and maybe something will happen. No, that's not prayer at all. Thank you for just reminding us again how we have that freedom to address the throne of God because of what Jesus did for us. We also have the freedom to confess and receive God's forgiveness. What what a joy that is. Do you want to explain that and share that with the audience too? Yeah, many people don't see confession as as a, a path towards freedom. But if you look at much of the uh, uh, anxiety, uh, uh, some of the depression, uh, uh, and much of the, the shame in our society is when people don't feel free to confess. They have to self-justify. They have to explain things away. And yet they're always in turmoil in their heart because of those kinds of things. But because of what Christ has done for us, we know we can come to God and be open and honest about our failings because my value is not based on what I think, what I do, what I say. My value is based on what my Lord Jesus Christ has done for me. And so in 1 John 1, we read, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We stay in that prison. And uh, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness because of what Christ has done for us. So what I say is we are free to confess because we know that God forgives uh, otherwise, we'll stay in this prison of our guilt and our uh, uh, lack of admitting our wrong. Some time ago, I was uh, the chaplain for 11 years of a retirement village in the Houston area. And um, 
one of the ladies that belonged to the prayer group that we had there um, also was a leader in the past years in a, in a group called Bible Study Fellowship, BSF. And she said one of the things that we leaders had to do every time we got together was get on our knees and confess our sins. She said every meeting of the leaders, that's what we did. And that's so unreal to us in our particular uh, culture, isn't it, uh, to confess, but how wholesome it is to be able to confess our sins uh, to our Heavenly Father and know that in the name of Jesus we stand forgiven. And it's not the confession by itself that brings freedom, but it leads to receiving that gift of forgiveness from God, and that's what gives us the complete freedom. Tell us a little bit about this prison of unforgiveness. Uh, I know and you know that people sometimes wallow in unforgiveness. They can't face the simple fact that God has declared them righteous in Christ. Would you talk about that prison of unforgiveness for a moment? This has been very troubling to me since I've been doing this work for three decades now, and that is Christians that either say they can't forgive or they won't forgive. Two slightly different uh, versions of a similar thing. But what it does is it, it puts them in a prison. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping the other person will die. And what it does is it builds in us bitterness and over time can separate us from God. And there's only one way to get relief from that, and that's to go to the cross. I know a man named Jean who was born to an unwed mother. She never married. They were poor. And over time, he learned that he had a father, but his mother wouldn't talk about him. And Jean learned to hate that man for putting him and his mom in such a deplorable situation. And over the years, his hatred grew for that man. In fact, it caused problems in his teen years and even in his young adult life. And uh, he had stopped going to church, but one day uh, a young woman, a friend, invited him back and he started going again. His pastor asked him if he would teach Sunday school after he'd come back for a while, and, and he agreed to. But then he thought he was a hypocrite. He says, how can I teach children about a Jesus who forgives when I can't forgive a man I've never met? And so he was going to quit teaching, but he had one more lesson to teach, and that was on the passion of Christ. And as he was preparing his lesson, he came across these words in Scripture, Jesus speaking on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And Jean cried out, I don't want to forgive him. I can't forgive him. I hate him. God, help me. But Jean realized in those words, Jesus was praying for Jean. And he was also praying for his earthly father, whoever he was. And all of a sudden, Gene was free of that burden of unforgiveness. He forgave his father because Christ had already forgiven Gene and his father. Well, it turned out when my dad died in 1989, I learned I have an older brother named Gene. And I've learned a great deal about being released from unforgiveness from my older brother. And the, the key is to focus on how forgiven we are in Christ. And that's what compels us. That's what moves us to forgive as God has forgiven us, is knowing just how forgiven we are through Jesus. 
I want to say how wonderful this conversation has been. It seems like only two minutes that we've spent together. But I want to thank you, Ted, for being willing to be on with us and to articulate the simple need of the freedom that forgiveness provides for us. So thank you, and we'll do this again, because because forgiveness is the very center point of the gospel message of what Christ has done for us. Thank you, G. Uh, thank you, Ted, and come back to us again on Engaging Truth. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.